Well, this morning we wrap up our six-week series called I Am His Story, that every single one of you is a part of God's larger story, His story of redemption and restoration. Three years ago, a business consultant by the name of Morgan Hussell published an article in Collaboration Fund entitled, Best Story Wins. And he says that across many fields and occupations, it's often not the best idea, the right answer, or even the best argument that wins the day and captures hearts and minds. Rather, it's the person who tells the most compelling story. As an example, he offers Ken Burns and what he did with the Civil War in the 1990s. Civil War is one of the most documented eras of American history with thousands of books and articles covering every possible conceivable angle. And yet in 1990, Ken Burns took 130 years of that data and information and he wove it into a good story. In 1990, 39 million Americans watched his Civil War documentary, as many as watched the Super Bowl that year. And his story won over 40 major film awards. He also offers the same thing about writer Brian Bill Bryson, whose books continue, he said, to fly off the shelf. In one of his latest, he took what essentially would be an anatomy textbook. And in his new book that he put, there was no new discoveries, there was no new information, but he essentially took an anatomy textbook and put it into a good story. And he writes that this book is flying off the shelf. A reminder to us that sometimes we think this world is really swayed by facts and objectivity, the right idea, the best, the brightest, when as novelist Richard Power reminds us, the best arguments in the world won't change a single person's mind. The only thing that can do that is a good story. And throughout this series, we've been taking stories, our stories, and adding to them the power of the gospel story, what God is doing in our lives. And that's right, that's the power right there to change hearts and minds for Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to do again this morning. We're going to look at another incredible story. We're going to the latter third of the book of Acts in the New Testament, where the Apostle Paul is on trial before some very powerful people in his day. Paul is on trial before Roman Governor Festus, as well as King Herod Agrippa II. Now, which Herod is that? Here you go. Here are the Herods in the New Testament. He is the last of the Herodians. His great-grandfather was Herod the Great, who was there when Jesus was born and ordered the killing of the male babies in Bethlehem. His son was the one who beheaded John the Baptist. His son 
slew James, the brother of John, who was also the son of Zebedee. And so Paul is on trial before his son, Herod Antipas II. And as Paul is on trial before this king, Paul doesn't go off into some creed. Paul doesn't give a big theological debate or treaties. Paul doesn't even try to give his long list of credentials. You know what Paul does? He tells a story. He tells his story. Look at his words this morning. Paul was on his way from Jerusalem, he says, journeying to Damascus in the north with the authority and commission of the chief priest. Paul was going round, rounding up Christians, fathers, mothers, children, arresting them and taking them back to Jerusalem for trial because of their belief in Jesus Christ. So Paul says he's on this mission again to go round up more Christians to arrest. And he says, well, king, well, I was on my way to Damascus with all the authority of the Jewish leaders at midday, O king. I saw a light from heaven that was brighter than the sun, and it shone around me and, and all those who were with me. And, and as we can imagine, they all fell and hit the ground. And Paul says, then I heard a voice speaking to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? There's a truth right there. Whatever is said and done to Christians in this world is also being said and done to Jesus himself. Because we are truly one body, one entity with Jesus Christ as our head. So while Paul was going to arrest and round up Christians for persecution, he was really doing it to Jesus himself. And look at Jesus' next line to Paul. Paul, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. What does that mean? What did Jesus mean by these words? In an agricultural community back then, a goad was a really long wooden stick that was very sharp and pointed on the end. It was used by farmers to drive and prod cattle and oxen. And so when Jesus is saying to Paul, man, you've been kicking against the goad, whose goad is it? Jesus. Paul, I've got this other direction for your life, and you're trying to resist my prodding, my guiding you. You're trying to kick against it. But whose will ultimately wins every time? God's will. Maybe some of you relate to that kind of experience in your own walk with the Lord. Maybe when you were younger, you too were kicking against God's goad. Coming into his kingdom, kicking and screaming and rebelling against God. But his will ultimately won. My parents shared that when I was two years old... And they brought me forward to be baptized into the kingdom of God as the pastor wanted to come over me with the water. I, too, held out my hand and tried to block it. I was kicking against God's goad. 
But whose will always wins? God. And that is grace. And so Jesus now continues in in his words to Paul when Paul says, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord says to him, I am Jesus. And for the second time, whom you are persecuting. But then Jesus says, get up. Remember, he's flat on the ground. Rise. Stand on your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as an assistant and witness to the things in which you have seen me. As Paul is standing on trial before the king, he doesn't focus as much on his conversion that day as he does on his calling. And that's because, friends, the God who calls you is the God who has a calling for you. Those are inseparable. The God who called you to himself in Jesus Christ is the God who has a calling for your life, a purpose and a plan that you will affect in his kingdom. What's Paul's calling? Well, Jesus is about to tell him. Kick against my goad all that you want. But Paul, I am delivering you from the Jewish people and from the nations, the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you. And Paul, you're going to open their eyes. You're going to turn them from darkness to light, from the authority of Satan to God, so that they too may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among all those who have been made holy by faith in me. Paul That is my calling on your life. See, God took this man who was a very bold personality, very strong and fervent against Jesus and his church. And Jesus didn't want to squash that. He didn't want to take away Paul's fervency And his attitude, God wanted to take that fervency and boldness against his church and use it for his church. Paul, I'm going to take that same boldness, your attitude, your fervor, your zealotness, and I'm going to use it to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ crucified and risen. I'm going to take that and I'm going to use it now for my kingdom. And that's why there's not one of us here who can ever say that God can't possibly use me or God can't possibly use my story because of what I've done or where I've been or how long I've been there. Because the Apostle Paul is another reminder for us that no person, even Paul, who hated Jesus and his church. No person is ever too broken, too lost, too buried in guilt and shame from their past, or too rebellious against God for his redemption and 
use. And so even if we don't have some kind of fireworks conversion experience like Paul had on the way to Damascus that day with the bright light and the voice from heaven, all of us still have those five things that Paul was sent to proclaim. That by our faith in Jesus Christ, this is the same God who has opened our eyes to the truth of His Word, who has turned us from darkness to light, from the authority of Satan to the authority and reign of God, the God who has forgiven all of our sins, every single one of them, and the God who has given us a place, an eternal belonging among all whom Christ has made holy. By our call and calling on our life, this is now your story. And this is a good place to pause and welcome to our midst another friend. This is Larry Gates, who's going to share how God has broken into his story and God is revealing to him his calling on Larry's life. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me, Pastor, and for your sermon series. It's all right. Thank you. Thank you. So my name's Larry Gates, and I've been a member here almost 30 years, and you might see me at the welcome desk working security. Um, I usually do the 5 o'clock or the 845 service, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and let you know my story. I was born and ba baptized and raised Catholic. My story is how Jesus broke the chains of addiction to opiates and alcohol and gambling. There's a saying I use from time to time in the AA program I attend. God led me to AA, and AA led me to God. So I'll fast forward to around 2005. We were invited to join a small group Bible study with four other couples here at St. Peter. I was reluctant. I never got up the nerve to pray in an intimate setting with other people around. I prayed with my children every night, though. Every night. I never missed a time of story and prayer. Slowly, that small group got me into God's word. I made our daily bread and Lutheran hour devotions my morning devotionals before work. And in the evening, portals of prayer. I didn't miss a day of readings. As Bible study progressed, so did my faith. But in 2007, my life took a wrong turn, a turn to opiates, alcohol, and gambling. We say in the program, in the beginning, it's fun, but then it becomes fun with a problem, and then it becomes the problem. Bible study continued for me, though. Over the next 10 years, my habits got so out of control, though, I didn't know where to turn. I remember having the Christian radio station on while driving to work in the mornings. There were many times when I was listening, and the tears would just start flowing. I kept asking Jesus to, keep help, to help me, to take these addictions away from me. And that scene played out a lot through the latter part of my addictions, which was around 2017 and 2018. It was way out of control. And I was going to church that way, Bible study, work, everything. You know, your entire life revolves around getting those things and having them in your possession or you get scared and panicky. 
Things started to change for me, though, on New Year's Day of 2018 when I decided to read the Bible front to back. A week later, I received a letter in the mail from my doctor who was prescribing me the pills. It stated he was going to retire, and he gave me a list of doctors for family practice, and I knew I didn't want to do it again with another doc. So I decided to stop when I took the last of my script for that month. That was January 10th. And over the next few months, I was able to deal with the withdrawals with a small dose of an opiate blocker. I was starting to feel somewhat normal again. I started to cut back on my alcohol consumption too, and my gambling stopped. During the week of February 5th, things were coming to a head in my home though. And on Sunday the 11th, it was the final straw. It was intervention like at home. I admitted to my family my problems and my struggles. My son said to me, you need to go to AA. And it was a moment in my life I'll never forget. It was very emotional and it was heart-wrenching and gut-wrenching. Everything came out of me that was bottled up that day. I mustered the strength to encourage you to go to AA the next day, February 12th, and that was my first meeting. I remember it distinctly. It was a cloudy, cold, snowy February day but I arrived at the Palatine Club parking lot early at 4.40. I prayed, I waited a few minutes and went in. You know, that was the best decision of my life. A few of us even, they welcomed me with open arms and a few of us even had similar stories. They gave me a big book to read and that's like the Bible for people in the AA program. They hoped I would come back the next day and they told me to go to 90 meetings in 90 days, find a sponsor and work the steps, you know, find your higher power and I told them my higher power is God, and they were happy about that. <clears throat> when I got home that night, I poured out the wine and threw out the beer. It took me almost two months to fall asleep, and it was not good. I laid awake at night, staring at the ceiling. A month after entering the program, I took my physical exam with my new family doctor. I told him everything. I didn't hold back. He took my blood pressure, and it was 200 over 101. And he said to me, Mr. Gates, we put people in the hospital for readings like this. He gave me a different med and I, he made me buy a cuff and, and uh, take my pressure for the next few days and it got lower. You know, I was feeling normal for the first time in uh, over 10 years. I started to get more sleep as time went along. My sales got better and I remember getting the Comeback Salesman of the Year Award that December. But in January 2019, after a year of sobriety, Divorce proceedings ensued, and I didn't expect that. We ended up selling our house in April that year. I was all set to move into the Renaissance Apartments in Palatine, except they gave my unit to someone else a day earlier, and they didn't tell me. So I ended up in my second choice, Dunton Tower in downtown Arlington Heights. And that was spring of 19. I immediately met an elderly gentleman named Bob who lived in my building. He was 81 when we met. I would always see him in the elevator every morning when I would walk my dog Zoe before work. He was going to breakfast. We became good friends and I helped Bob a lot during my time there. It was New Year's Day of 2020 though. Bob came down to my apartment with a problem and said he needed to talk to me. I asked Bob what he wanted to talk about. He told me he wanted to kill himself. He showed me his notes. He was going to wrap a plastic bag around his head and suffocate himself. He even show, had a note for the manager that he was going to slide under their door after hours and had said what he was going to do and where to find him. So I asked him why he wanted to take his life and with fists clenched he told me, I, I have nobody, I got nobody. He had nobody to talk to. 
I said to him, you have me, so let's talk, you know. And that was New Year's Day. We talked for two hours that afternoon. Upon leaving, he put his hands together as to pray, and he asked if he can call me at 10.30 the next day. I said, sure, that would be great. So Bob and I ended up talking every day at 10.30 ever since. You know, if I was busy at work, I'd call him right back. That was January 2020. You know, a week later, then my divorce went final. And a month after that, my boss let me go for no reason. You know, after 40 years in the printing industry, that was unbelievable. And a month later, COVID shut everything down, even the court system, right? And that affected my divorce. So I was running out of money. I wasn't used to being alone. I wasn't working and shut in by COVID. I couldn't sleep. I was in a bad way. And I felt I needed a change. So that October of 2020, I decided to buy a house in Wisconsin to be closer to two of my three children who were living up there. And the house was beautiful. It was three steps from my deck to Lake Michigan. And three weeks before I'm going to move, I met a woman. And I thought I was ready to date. We ended up dating for about a year, even though I lived in Wisconsin. I talked with Bob about the move. He was okay with it. <clears throat> we still talked every day at 1030. When I would come to town to visit my girlfriend, sometimes we'd go visit Bob, too. Bob's health started to decline late summer of 2021, and we ended up moving him into the moorings. We moved him in on October 20th of that year. That was the day my girlfriend called me on the phone, and she broke up with me. I had a two-and-a-half-hour ride to Wisconsin back there, you know, and I, after moving Bob in, that was tough. That's when I got the call. I was really heartbroken. No, I had no one in Wisconsin to lean on for support either. Everybody was here. It was truly the worst time of my life. I thought I finally met a woman who meant all the things she said to me, words I never heard from any woman my whole life. That's why they were precious to me. I never heard them before. I believed and trusted in her words and in her. She took them back that October day on the phone. And my heart was really broken and my spirit crushed. With all my friends back here and family, I had nobody to lean on. And that's when I moved back to Arlington Heights into Dunton Tower, and that was early in November of 2021. And my house even sold before going on the market. And after moving back, I would visit Bob every day at the moorings at 10.30 every day. That was our time. I didn't miss a day. My relationship with Bob grew even more. At first, it was tough visiting Bob because the woman I was dating that year had her father living in the moorings, too. And they ended up moving Bob in the apartment next door to him. I mean, what are the odds of that? Yeah. So you can guess who I would run into sometimes when I visited, right? And that was tough because I was totally ignored. And all I did was love that woman. And I gave her my heart. Yet not even a hello or how are you. Nothing. And that's what hurt the most. But I gave that to God like I did everything else. I was learning. Anyway, I now, I'm about to say Peter, and Ken Meyer comes to me and says, you got to come to men's Bible study with me. And Pastor Michael listened to my whole story. He prayed with me, and he put the Bible app on my phone. My membership here was immediately restored, and that's exactly what I needed. However, I wasn't eating. I was depressed. I wasn't spiritual and not into the holidays. You know, my heart was really broken, and I can see why people can pack it in sometimes after a broken heart and a broken spirit. It takes the life out of you. It took some months to settle in and start figuring out life again. It was summer of 22. Bob's health started to decline after several falls. Bob passed away uh, September 30th of 2022. Uh, and in December, I had to put my dog Zoe down almost 17 years. Doc, <laughs> you were right there, buddy. 
took good care of my dog Zoe. Thank you. And uh, that was heartbreak again. And a month later in January, my good friend Bob, a golfing buddy, he was a dear friend from the program too. Uh, he was inspirational in keeping me coming back as well. He passed away. And that was a stretch of time in my life I never experienced. It's even tougher when alone and no one to lean on here on earth. But instead of running from God, I ran to him. I learned through all these life events that he was always with me. I learned to ask him, what do you want me to learn from this instead of yelling and having a pitting party saying, why me? Even still, I struggled in life. Even though I'm blessed not to have to work another day in my life, I still need purpose. There were many sleepless nights, anxiety, days of depression that I had to get through. Getting this part-time job here at St. Peter at the welcome desk was a real blessing. My Bible study haven't changed, however. They've grown. I start my day with the Bible, and I end it with the Bible every day. I talk to Jesus in between as well. My relationship with God is stronger every day, and my prayers are consistent on a daily basis. I ask Christ to strengthen my faith every day and to do his will always. And I'll close with this, though. You know, over my time in my apartment building, you know, I met a lot of people and made a lot of friends, and one of them was another Bob. He was with a group of people in our lobby in the building, and he asked me one Monday night where I was going. I had my Bible in my hand. I said, I'm going to St. Peter for Bible study. And he said, dude, what about us? And that was the spring. And then I would run into them several times throughout the year, and they kept getting the same question. Dude, what about us? Well, I began praying on it. I knew Jesus would lead me to an answer one day, and he did. You know, it was August of 2023. I met Bob in the elevator in my building very early one Saturday morning. You know, at that time of day, we had no business running into one another. And it wasn't even 7 a.m. yet. But God had other plans, and we ended up meeting. Bob said again, dude, come on. I said, okay, let's do this. You know, I composed an email, sent it to the building manager, asking him to send it to all the residents, and he did. You know, in the first half hour, I received three responses stating, this is just what I needed. This is a real blessing, and this is what I've been praying for. In the first half hour, our group has a steady 10 members in attendance now, including myself. When we all show up, we have 15 in our group. We meet in my apartment on Wednesdays at 6.30. Another member of our group, Dan, he just happened to walk in on our first night. He used to live in the building, but he drove by and he came in. And he decided to stay with us after talking with us. And he drives uh, to my place every week now on Wednesdays to be in our meetings. So that's what I got. <clears throat> I thank you for listening. And, you know, when I look back at, you know, the people that God puts in our lives and in my life, right, like, well, first, when I decided to read the Bible front to back, right, and uh, then all of a sudden my doctor retires, come on, right, then, you know, leading me to the AA program, you know, having some sponsees now, you know, um, different apartments. And then Bob, what I learned from his friends, he was an agnostic before uh, in his younger days. He was always talking against the church. And he would see me on Saturday walking out around 4.30, a quarter to 5, and he always asked me where I was going. And I said, I'm going to church. And he said, can I go with you one time? And I said, you can come with me any time, Bob. And he went with me the next week. And I remember he said, I don't sing. And when I started singing the opening hymn and I looked down, Bob started singing. He was singing. He sang every service. We went the next couple weeks. And uh, I remember two months before Bob died, I gave him my Bible. 
And I said, I want you to read Psalm 23 tonight, and I'll see you in the morning. And the first words in the morning when I walked in, he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And that was awesome to hear. Uh, and I'll never forget that. Yeah, I'll never forget it. It was amazing. And then two weeks before he passed, it just so happened a clergy came around. And I was so happy because I really wanted him to get communion. And um, he said, I'm not worthy. And I said, nobody's worthy, Bob. That's why we have communion. And he took communion, and it was awesome. You know, and when I think about, you know, when I started to read the Bible front to back, right, I decided I'm going to do it till I die. And now I'm on my eighth read, and I've learned a lot because I bought a study Bible, too, with you know, the notes, and that helps me. And I think about that and how it, he grew me for Bible study, right, how God grew me to lead that. I never thought I could do that in my life. And here I am, and I'm very humbled by that. You know, that was something else, and how I learned to serve just through Bob, by God putting Bob in my life. And it was like the first day I met this guy, and I really liked him, too. And I miss Bob. You know, Bob mm -hmm. is a good man. And, you know, the relationship, how he broke me and said, you're not going to retire at age 61 on the lake. You're going to come back here. And I'm piecing it together, you know, service work. So, you know, God has truly blessed me. And, and I remember mm -hmm. it's not about me. It's all about God, right? It's what he's doing. And that's what I'm trying to do now. And St. Mm -hmm. Peter's been a real blessing to me. I'm very loyal to this place. And, you know, I thank Pastor Mike and Randy for all they do. And uh, you're serious. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, amen. No, thank you, Larry, for sharing that incredible story of God and the hardship and redeeming and restoring and revealing to you part of his calling yeah. for you. Talk about He's been on the schedule for three months. He just said, give me the last date. Give me the last date of the series. Like, all right, Blake, thank you. Yeah. And today is the sixth year anniversary tomorrow. of coming out to oh, the family. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And then tomorrow is the actual sixth year anniversary of his first step into AA. And so six years to the day. Uh, and then even tell them when you were baptized a Catholic, they gave you a different name. Yeah, Catholics, right? When you're baptized, um, you know, you have Oops, to... did I turn it off? Yeah, I did. There you go. When you're baptized in the Catholic faith, you know, you have to take a, um, or you're confirmed, you have to take a confirmation name, and I took Paul. So if you can believe that, and the reading today would say Paul. Yeah, so... His name was Paul. That's yeah. <laughs> who he covered today. Absolutely. Exactly six years to the day. Yeah. Uh, so talk about God's fingerprints yeah, everywhere, even in details in our story and God's continued work yeah. of redemption and restoration. And can't wait to see the other plans he has in store for you, friend. Do we have anyone in here, a couple, three, who might want to come forward and just give a hand of prayer over Larry and ask God's continued blessing and guidance on his life? And we'll celebrate six years. I'll pray. Do Come on out. Yeah, please. Thank you so much, Dan. Dear Lord, thank you for Larry and giving him the strength to share his story. And please let him know that we're all touched by it and that we're just scared to pray aloud. Yeah. Dear Lord, thank you for everything you give us. Mm -hmm. Continue to give him the strength day by day to continue on his path to bring others to you. 
thank you for everything you give us, Lord Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank, you so thank you. Thank you. Amen. All right, just a couple of questions to reflect on as we take a lot of what we've just heard in. Uh, how do you connect with either Paul's story today in Acts or with Larry's or both? What is one transformation that Jesus has worked in your own story as he worked in Saul's and in Larry's and ours? And then who can you begin to share that transformation with? Give that some thought. If you're with someone, have a little moment of conversation, and then we'll end with a blessing.